Nick, I must have told you this about a dozen times at this point, but I will never forget when a British friend of mine, and this was a few years ago, heard of some recent turn of political events that she disagreed with in the United States, and she just goes, okay, so when does your secret shadow government step in? Isn't it about time for that? You have told me this story a dozen times. Well, I think when things go off the rails, or seem to go off the rails, the question is often, who is in charge here? Isn't anyone going to do anything about this? Yeah, especially when you're talking about big federal business, national goings on. It's all so high level and it's outside of our power. Part of the reason Civics 101 got started is that after the 2016 election, listeners kept writing in to ask us, can that government official actually do that? Is that legal? And we were like, I don't know. We'll ask someone for you. That's true, and it's exactly what we do. And more often than not, the answer has been, that person can do that unless someone else notices it and does something about it. Yeah, well, today we're going to talk about what it looks like when someone does something about it, or tries to. This is Civics 101. I'm Hannah McCarthy. I'm Nick Capodice. And this is an investigation into exactly that. Investigations. Congressional investigations. Have you no sense of decency, sir? At long last, have you left no sense of decency? The fact that I was involved in obstruction of justice, the fact that I assisted another in perjured testimony. If those responsible are not held accountable, and if Congress does not act responsibly, this will remain a cancer on our constitutional republic. I began by telling the president that there was a cancer growing on the presidency. I'll come to that later, but I'll answer the question now. I wish you would. I had the witnesses, but I didn't have Anastasia. And what's the other witness? All right, first things first, let's define what a congressional investigation actually is. A congressional investigation is when a committee of the House, Senate, or both requests information and testimony about something that seems to be illegal or dangerous, or done in bad faith, something that's going wrong. It implies there was wrongdoing. This is Linda Fowler, professor emeritus of government and policy studies at Dartmouth College and author of several books, most recently Watchdogs on the Hill. She spoke with former host Virginia Prescott back in 2017. And as we're having this conversation, January 2022, there is a congressional investigation that is getting a lot of attention. The House Select Committee on January 6th will hold public hearings in the new year on the attack on the United States Capitol. The Washington Post. Right. There's a House committee investigating the January 6th insurrection in Washington, D.C. This committee is named, for obvious reasons, the U.S. House Select Committee to investigate the January 6th attack on the United States Capitol. A very fitting name. And here's something I've never really understood. Where in the Constitution is Congress empowered to conduct investigations? Nowhere. There's no specific language that says Congress has the power to investigate the executive branch, so it's an implied power. But basically, since Congress is charged with making all the laws, it needs to inquire whether the executive branch is following the laws that it passed and whether it's doing those things properly. Congress can essentially investigate anything, as long as it is something that they can pass legislation or take action about. 
Okay, so Congress's ability to investigate is tied to the fact that they have the ability to make laws and act as a check on the other branches. Exactly. These investigations are about keeping an eye on federal agencies, about making sure legislation is appropriate, about looking into matters of national importance to see if legislation might need to be passed. The goal is to expose problems or wrongdoing by subpoenaing people to testify before Congress and by requesting documents. Woodrow Wilson once described congressional investigations as, quote, a semi-judicial examination into corners suspected to be dirty. <laughs> it, it almost sounds like you're saying that Congress can investigate anything as long as it suspects something is afoot. Oh, these investigations run the gamut. Abuses of power in intelligence gathering at the CIA and FBI. There has never been a full public accounting of FBI domestic intelligence operations. Therefore, this committee has undertaken such an investigation. The sinking of the Titanic. Wow. The government response to Hurricane Katrina. With the help of former FEMA director Michael Brown, we will attempt to construct for the record a timeline of what FEMA did and didn't do before, during, and after the catastrophic storm. Treatment delays and mismanagement of the Department of Veterans Affairs. Even rigged game shows in the 1950s. On the waterfront? No, I'm sorry, the answer is Marty. Marty. You lose five points, it puts you back down to... And 11. since the beginning, these investigations have received resistance and pushback. Let's take the first one ever. Well, actually, it was in George Washington's presidency. Um, there were troops engaged on the western border uh, fighting various tribes, and Congress had an inquiry about how that was going. Congress asked George Washington for paperwork pertaining to the fighting with these American Indian tribes. And Washington questioned whether he really needed to provide the documents. Ultimately, he gave Congress some, but not all. Thus, executive privilege was born. All right. And we saw this in the case of the January 6th investigation. I know that President Trump sued to prevent the National Archives from turning over White House documents claiming executive privilege. Which, as of early December, was denied by a circuit court of appeals. Historically, not a whole lot has been done on the part of the courts to limit Congress's ability to investigate. All right, I got rigged game shows and the sinking of the Titanic. But what are the big ones? What are the real monumental ones that have affected America in the last hundred years? Well, a really famous one was on war profiteering during World War II that was led by then-Senator Harry Truman. Um, of course, the Watergate investigations in the 1970s by Sam Irvin, a Southern Democrat from North Carolina who chaired the Judiciary Committee. Now, the evidence in this case shows that Seven men were indicted for burglarizing and bugging the Watergate, including three employees of the committee to re-elect the president. We've also had recent investigation about conditions at Walter Reed Hospital. The, in addition to Watergate, many people may remember the McCarthy investigations of domestic communism. Wait, wait a minute. I'd like to pause here. I know the courts haven't done much to limit congressional investigations, but weren't the McCarthy hearings, the House Un-American Activities Committee investigations, considered universally to be pretty bad? Fear of communist subversive activities has developed into hysterical frenzy, which grows daily. Appointed by Congress to investigate, Chairman Parnell Thomas opens the hearing. 
is investigating alleged communist influence and infiltration in the moving picture industry must not be considered. This one is actually trickier than it seems. A lot of people were opposed to these investigations, but the meaningful question here is what the courts had to say. When Congress started investigating private citizens in the 1930s for suspected disloyalty, a.k.a. being a communist, people did refuse to answer their questions about past behaviors. And they were held in contempt of Congress. In one case, Watkins v. United States, the Supreme Court ruled that the contempt charge was invalid under the Fifth Amendment. But the court later walked that back when they sustained a separate contempt charge in Baron Blatt v. United States. That was another House Un-American Activities Committee case. Basically, SCOTUS ruled that the government's interest outweighed that of the private citizen. Okay, so it sounds like these investigations are nearly like trials, but without a court. So do they share any features of courtroom proceedings? Yes and no. Um, So they have some quasi-legal features, for example, the subpoena, that if you ignore a subpoena from a congressional committee, you can be compelled to testify. You can be uh, locked up for contempt of Congress if you don't. You can be locked up? After you are found in contempt of Congress, the presiding officer of whatever chamber is citing contempt then refers that matter to the U.S. Attorney of D.C., who then refers that matter to a grand jury. It is a criminal offense with a penalty of no less than one month, nor more than 12, in jail, and a fine between $100,000 and $100,000. Wow. It used to be the case that during the McCarthy era, people who refused to testify were nevertheless threatened with being locked up for contempt of Congress. So after the mid-50s, there are more procedural protections for witnesses. They can't be compelled to testify against them. And we keep calling these congressional investigations, but the January 6th investigation is specifically a House committee investigation. Is it common to have one chamber conduct an investigation while the other one doesn't? Well, you have to go back to 1946, after World War II, when committees could launch investigations, but they had to get approval from their chamber to do it. After 1946, when Congress enacted a statute, it required all standing committees in the House and the Senate to engage in oversight and conduct inquiries. And gradually, these committees, such as the Armed Services Committee or the Judiciary Committee, were granted subpoena powers so they could compel witnesses to come before them to testify. So you can get investigations in one chamber, but not the other. But... And again, this is in the case of the January 6th investigation. The U.S. House Select Committee to investigate the January 6th attack on the United States Capitol is not, I'm going to guess, a standing committee that's been around for a while. Correct. Good guess. So where did this committee come from? There are standing committees, which are the regular committees that Congress uses to vet uh, legislation, markup bills. Then you may have either the Senate or the House, or jointly authorize an investigative committee. So, for example, the um, House Armed Services Committee and the Senate Armed Services Committee both launched inquiries after the 
consulate in Benghazi, Libya, was overrun by a mob and several Americans were killed. Today, the Oversight Committee convenes a fourth hearing related to the security situation in Libya before, during, and after the September 11th terrorist attack in Benghazi, which claimed the lives of four Americans. They had their inquiry. They had public testimony. Um, Republicans in the House at the time were not satisfied. They were convinced that Secretary Clinton had been negligent. So the House then went ahead and authorized an investigation, and they set up a special committee with special staff. So the difference, I think, between an investigatory committee and an oversight committee has to do with whether the Senate um, is using its existing organizations or whether it creates a new one with a very special purpose. But committees, as it turns out, are not the only way to investigate things at the congressional level. The other option just happens to have one important obstacle. We'll get to that and to the point of these investigations after the break. But before we do, we just want to let you know that we have a bi-weekly newsletter called Extra Credit, where we put in all the stuff that we couldn't squeeze into the episode. You can subscribe at civics101podcast.org. Before we get on with the show, this is your weekly reminder that while Civics 101 will always be free to you, it is, tragically, not free to make. It takes a staff, it takes a lot of research, and it takes a lot of equipment to make this show, which takes money. If you believe in what Civics 101 does and you have the ability to contribute, I am asking you to take just a moment. It's quick, it's easy, and it actually makes a world of difference to us. Go to civics101podcast.org and click the Donate button. And you'll get a fancy new sticker while supplies last. It says, the Constitution is my co-pilot, and it's pretty cool. All right. Here we go. Now, Hannah, we've covered the committees that conduct these investigations. But there's another path that I've heard of that I'd like to dig into. Before the January 6th House investigation started, there was a call in the Senate for something called an independent commission to look into the January 6th events. And I remember hearing that that measure failed. But what exactly would it have meant if it had succeeded? What is an independent commission? An independent commission is a special group that Congress establishes to look into an issue and provide independent advice. These groups are not necessarily made up of members of Congress, but of experts who might be better suited than members of Congress to understand a problem. This makes them either nonpartisan, or if members of Congress are a part of the group, often bipartisan. And they are appointed in various combinations by the executive branch, or by the Congress, or some combination of the two. So an independent commission has to be authorized by statutes, which means it has to pass both chambers, and it has to be signed by the president into law. Okay, I I see a problem here when it comes to investigations being signed into law, and it has to do with the executive branch. So what president would happily sign that statute into law? It depends on what Congress puts in the statute. But you can well imagine with uh, Republicans controlling the House and the Senate that they might um, give the president more voice than if the Democrats were controlling the House and Senate when they drafted the law. There's a lot of horse trading that goes on in deciding how big the commission's going to be, who's going to be on it. So a classic example would be 
a different kind of independent commission was used to look at budget deficits. Okay, so this one was created by Barack Obama back in 2010. He appointed members of Congress, former members of Congress, and some experts. This group was given the job of coming up with a plan for reducing the deficit. These groups come up with recommendations. They can even draft legislation to pass on to lawmakers. It occurs to me, Hannah, that when, for example, the Justice Department is investigating something, the people doing the investigating are trained. It's their job. How effective can a congressional investigation be if these are just politicians asking questions? Well, the whole point of the committee system in Congress is that members develop expertise in a particular policy area. So people on this intelligence committee are supposed to have had uh, at least some experience in dealing with intelligence matters. People armed armed services um, uh, may have a special expertise on uh, on defense matters. But there's a lot of variation among chairs and among members. Take former Congressman Devin Nunes, for example. He was the chair of the House Intelligence Committee, but he had essentially no experience in intelligence matters and had some difficulty in that role. But then you have the late Senator John McCain, a war veteran who had done Navy liaison work with the Armed Services Committee, who later became chair of that committee. There's a wide range of expertise. Some chairs and committee members are very conscientious. They work hard on their committees. Others, not so much. Now, ultimately... Congress is not a court. So I'm wondering, Hannah, aside from holding someone in contempt for not giving over documents or providing testimony, what's the purpose? Why do these investigations? No, but these investigations, as we've seen over the past few years, are both public and widely reported on. The public cares about them. So does the Justice Department. If a congressional investigation reveals widespread wrongdoing... The next step is often a court case. For example, let's look at the Teapot Dome scandal of the 1920s. Oh, Teapot Dome. Good old Teapot Dome. Well, I bring this up, right, because when you hear that term, you're like, oh, yeah, the Teapot Dome scandal. But, Nick, do you remember what this scandal was? I don't. I know it's something to do in the 1920s. And I'm sorry, Mr. Zeka, my eighth grade social studies teacher. I, I don't know what it was. Okay, I couldn't remember either. And it really is scandalous. <laughs> The former Secretary of the Interior, Albert Fall, was charged with accepting bribes from oil companies in exchange for exclusive drilling rights on federal lands. This investigation resulted in Albert Fall going to jail, and it was the first time a cabinet member went to jail for a felony committed while in office. Now, it's a very memorable name. What is the teapot dome part of it? Yeah, I had to look that up. That was the name of a big teapot-shaped rock formation on land that Albert promised in Wyoming. How about that? All right, last question here. We started this whole conversation by talking about the fact that federal wrongdoing feels so far out of our reach as members of the public. It's a who watches the watchmen kind of question. But these investigations, being public, involving politicians and elected officials, must carry some political weight. Does it really matter if someone puts in a call to their rep and says, hey, there's something rotten in the state of Denmark. Can you please take a look? Of course it does. What the public does have a responsibility to do is to insist that this be handled uh, in a judicious manner and that Republican views and Democratic views are weighed carefully. 
I think it's important to remember the political aspect of these investigations. They aren't just used to look into something. They are an opportunity for grandstanding and with great media coverage to boot. In some ways, I think the voter is as important as the actual subject of the investigation. Your representatives want you to see them giving you what you want, saying what you want to hear. I have a few more things to say, but for the richest man in the world to come here and hide behind the poorest people in the world and say that's who you're really trying to help. Let us not forget that the wave of innovation is spreading across the world with or without us. So that's why I believe that American innovation is on trial this day in this hearing. Tech 2025 initiative has been working for years to increase diversity and wouldn't that be up to somebody else, you know, to say, okay, what somebody posted on this really isn't true. And here's what the facts are rather than uh, having uh, a Twitter or a Facebook take it down. So in some ways, this high-level, seemingly beyond-our-reach procedure is not so far away after all. Especially if you make your priorities known. This episode was produced by me, Hannah McCarthy, with Nick Capodice. Our staff includes Jackie Fulton and Christina Phillips. Rebecca Lavoie is our executive producer. Music in this episode by Zylo Zyko, Ketza, and BioUnit. Civics 101 is a production of NHPR, New Hampshire Public Radio. 